Welcome to the Dog Spot Podcast with Melanie and Katie, where we're going to talk about everything dogs, especially wellness. That includes dog behavior, force-free grooming, nutrition, and lifestyle tips. This podcast is for general information only. It's not intended for medical advice, diagnostic, or treatment. Make sure to always check with your vet and consult when needed or talk with your pet care specialist for specific advice for your pup. Hi, I'm Melanie. Hi, I'm Katie. And this This is is our first episode of our Dog Spa Spa podcast. So we work together at Muso and Spa, but we're also friends. We often find ourselves talking about all kinds of things relative to the canine world and figured, why not bring our discussion online where everyone else can be part of the conversation too? Melanie, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Muso Spa and where it all began? Okay, so Muso Spa uh, has opened since March 2015. Um, I started with mainly the services, uh, just dog grooming, dog boarding, dog education. So I was doing a lot of training and I had a small little store at the location. Um, After that, with the time, I had closed the dog boarding because of working seven days a week was too much for me. So I have removed the service of dog boarding and then uh, came COVID. And I had to take a decision because without the service, my store was way too small and I just couldn't live with that. So I decided to start the online business. With that, the online business has uh, quadrupled the business. So I have increased the size of my store. And now also lately I have started the force free grooming. So those two things are pretty much the main services right now and it's going pretty well it's always been the same it's always been the well-being of dogs but with continued education uh, it just has improved and we're way more strict about it regarding wellness and now what we want to do is that we just want to share it with everybody and uh, and yeah that's that's pretty much Muso's paw after that, it would be probably me. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Melanie. Where, okay. do, where do you come from? Where do your studies start? Oh, geez, we're going that <laughs> way. All right, so I'm 31. I've been pretty much since high school. My first idea, I mean, I've had many ideas when I was a kid. We're not going to go there. <laughs> Maybe another, another time. But from high school, right away, I went into college to uh, become a vet technician. So to work in the vet industry as like a nurse. Pretty much a vet technician is a nurse. Yeah, so it was a three-year college degree. I have completed it during the whole time of my studies. I have worked at the vet as a um, receptionist and assistant. I have learned a lot of things throughout um, those years. And then after, once I graduated, (laughs) funny thing is that I worked there for nine months and then I had Um, I knew it afterwards, not necessarily on the moment, but I have developed a performance anxiety and I had to quit my job. So I have spoken with a psychologist afterwards. I didn't know it at the moment. I just thought, okay, working with other people is not my thing. Uh, My bosses, I just thought maybe working for other people was not my thing. That's why I kind of really started my own business at that point. But then once I saw a therapist, she said, no, 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 you just got performance anxiety. And I wasn't able to put my limits then. Obviously, I learned a lot, and now I understand it today. But back then, I just I just had to quit. Really, that was just my, my only solution. Uh, after that, uh, f- that was about so three, four years, like uh, three years from college degree plus another nine months, so almost four years. 
I had to take a break. I went in another industry to learn something else, but honestly, I miss the dogs so much. Mm. Your so, heart was with the animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had to just get back into it. I started working at a pet store, just like that. They told me I was overqualified, and honestly, uh, everybody loved me there. And I got offered a assistant manager um, position position uh in the first three months and then i was like you know what i could just start my own business at this point so i quit my job again <laughs> and uh, for a good reason this time so i went to dog grooming school and once dog grooming school was finished that i graduated that that uh, class i just st started museum spa and uh, up to today that's pretty much this i other than from the vet tech uh, college degree. I have a dog education course that I have completed in 2012 during a summer break. That's pretty much my main, uh, my main, my passion. I would say this is where I really said like this is really where I want to focus my energy on and my passion. Just training and behavior. Yeah, training and behavior is really my main thing. I really, really, really adore and love it. Afterwards, uh, it's really funny thing is mostly when it came to my dogs and their well their well-being I wanted to learn stuff for them mm -hmm. and then with that I decided to offer the services for my clients absolutely so that's where nutrition came by where I was a bit worried as a vet tech to get into raw the raw diet and everything yeah. so I took a course to be sure that if I do even try that type of diet that I know what I'm doing absolutely. yeah that's important so that's where it all started for the nutrition uh, course and then also uh, years went by and I wanted to specialize more because customers were asking it because I really wanted to offer the best grooming services for the dogs and uh, clients started asking me for the certification for force free grooming so I went on and do that as well and that was the best school ever and I just kept doing all the continuing education that they offer. I also did the zoo cosmetology as well. Which is skin and fur. Anything and skin, fur, um, anything like healthy ingredients, make sure no toxins, all of these things regarding specifically for pets. But at the same time, we still learn stuff even for us. For our bodies for so sure it's if it's good enough for them it's good enough for us too. using the most natural products we can it's the healthiest thing for anyone exactly so that's pretty much what comes up to today I will always do continued uh, education uh, it's really important to me to be up to date with new things and stuff and dog well-being my dog's well-being my customers uh, well-being and also I mean I'm into customer service I adore it I love it I really like um, helping my clients so there's some people they would say like oh I hate customer service <laughs> but <laughs> I a lot I, of people I, hate customer service <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I do I love it in the sense of I think I'm doing the right job for it that I you're able to help them exactly yeah. so you know because I I know what I do and I'm confident with the information that I give a client might help also the reason why I love customer service for sure because you're confident in your knowledge exactly definitely you know what works you've done the you've done the testing you've done the work <laughs> now it's time to help everyone else which is kind of why we wanted to do this podcast too is to bring that information to even more people exactly exactly all right so now talking about Katie Katie honestly I mean I've been alone with Muso and Spa for uh, six years I worked by myself for six years 
Uh, I mean, I've had helpers like my family and stuff like that. They would they would just help me here and there, but mainly I was the only employee, the only uh, the owner. And then at some point, like I said, with the online store and the forced free grooming, mm -hmm. I just got so busy and I was things were getting a little out of hand, very out of hand. <laughs> and then I just uh, I just spoke with Katie, and at some point I just said, "Hey, you know what? I'm offering you this position. Are you interested in coming to work for me?" And yeah. this has been since uh, November of uh, 2022, full time since November 2022. Yeah, so coming from a, a sales and service background, I never really saw myself getting into the industry of the canine world, but I'm have not looked back since so learning about nutrition learning about behavior how to help my own dog i mean you know chef was getting older and i never knew about a raw diet i never knew about how his stress can affect his well-being in general and just learning all of that has improved his life it's improved our quality of life as a family it's and for for me too i want to be able to help other people and bring that knowledge to them as well i can't believe how much i how much I've learned and uh, how much we need to bring this information out there. Dog behavior, I mean, uh, just a few years back, it was all about punishment and <laughs> you have to punish your dog for him to listen to you. Yeah. And now more and more people are um, treating their pets as their babies and we don't want to punish our babies anymore. No. So we want to just give them the best and now it's, it's becoming more of a popularity for one, it kind of sucks that it kind of been, it's on that route, mm. but it's more about, I've been thinking about this for since seven, eight years ago. When I said I wanted to do a business, I wanted to do dog well-being from, from the scratch. And everybody told me this business would not succeed. Hmm. Everybody told me, no, you're, it's too different. You're, you're offering, example, the products are like high quality, the most natural it's obviously probably on the higher end of the price. Yeah. But yeah. that's what they're going to say. Like, oh, your stuff is too expensive. Not, it, not everybody could afford it. Or um, it's just not what everybody... You should focus more of a business so that everybody's going to use. But the thing, too, is that it's not just about the product. It's about explaining to the customer why this product's important. Why is it worth your money? So you won't have to go back and forth between a bunch of different things to find the solution. Yeah. You know, if you're able to explain to the client now, this is a higher end product, this is a higher value, this is why it's important, this is why it's going to work, or this is why it's worth trying, because then you're not going back and forth with a whole bunch of different methods, right? So it's not just the price tag, it's about why is it that price, what's the quality, what research was done, how is it going to help? And that's what we do, is we're going to take the time to explain the why. Exactly. So that's where the difference is of Museau and Spa. It's per the, the perfect um, description of our business is that it's not just we're not just here to sell stuff. We're here to advise. We're, give, we're here to give advice. If we need to do consultation, we do consultations as well. But it's really important that whatever we do sell, we trust in the business and the companies that we sell the product from and that we know the quality and that we know that the customer is going to be satisfied with it as well for sure that we're not just selling something to just make money yeah and all this is within our realm of expertise too if it, within our realm of knowledge if ever there's any doubt or anything that we don't feel like we're absolutely comfortable with i mean there you you always go visit your vet we're always going to recommend that that's you know if there's ever any doubts or anything too touchy you go visit your vet 
Yeah, no, it's really like I, I come from there from the beginning for sure. So I know a lot of things health. I know a lot of basics. That's why sometimes when clients talk with me, I know what questions to ask them as a vet tech mm-hmm. to know, is it worth it for you to go to the vet right away? Mm-hmm. It's an emergency. You have to go. Yeah. Or can you try some little first aid stuff sold in stores yeah. that can maybe help you save the consultation? But... I'm never going to say, don't go see the vet. For sure. It's yeah. really important that if health must be needed to go see the vet, I will say go, to, go see the, to go see the doctor. For sure. It just, we're able to maybe give certain people an alternative, like you said. Maybe a few other things to try before it gets to the point where they have to go to the vet. Or maybe it's something that's, you know, just not, they don't need to go to the vet at all, but they don't have that knowledge themselves. So yeah. at least coming here, we can take the time to ask questions, figure out what's what's your goal or what's the issue at hand. So one thing that I would love for you to take some time and explain, because you explain it so well, is what is force-free mean? What is the force-free approach to grooming? How is it different? Okay. So force-free grooming is two services in one. Okay. It's dog education, dog training mixed with grooming okay so the grooming process once the training is done grooming is pretty much the same thing Mm -hmm. it's just that we're taking the part psychology wise of the dog understanding his limits his boundaries listening to any signs that he could give that he is not doing well meaning stress levels that could be one thing discomfort discomfort and we're all gonna think like okay well yeah certain dogs our main thing obviously for first grooming if people are gonna call they're gonna say well this is for dogs that are refused at other groomers Mm -hmm. or uh, uh, dogs that have behavior issues that they're really difficult at groomers that the groomers just say like hey i can't do this dog or that they need five people to hold them down exactly shouldn't need to do that (laughs) or that the dog is very you know either difficult or aggressive Um, But technically speaking, that's obviously the main service because we're going to do desensitization, uh, which is part of the the grooming, which we're going to talk about after. But saying that force-free grooming, other people also, what we're going to talk about is that we should do this for every dog. This should be a service offered for everybody. And even regular groomers should even imply a little bit of this technique or food for thought. Well, if you really think about it, building that trust with the dog who can't tell you I'm scared of this or I was hurt once here or you know my 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 nails are a little more sensitive because somebody pulled my paw once and I don't want that happening again they can't tell us so paying attention to those small signs that they're giving and building that trust and having that respect they're more likely to let you get further when it comes to grooming exactly but, trust. but as you mentioned too the training process is what comes first so you can't expect to come in and have your dog groomed right away that's like the last focus the main yeah. focus is yeah. really getting the trust of the animal so that we can make progress. Yeah, we consent, consent for grooming, and uh, it's really that before aesthetic. Mm. The aesthetic definitely is the um, the yeah. end goal. The end goal for sure. Everybody's gonna say like, yeah, but I still want my dog groomed. I want my dog to look like this and look like that. Of course, but the first step is getting your dog to enjoy grooming and coming here and having a positive experience and for every dog i'm not saying 
maybe some dogs are going to go to the regular groomer and everything's going to go well. Very possible, of course. But that's taking a risk because yeah. most of them are not going to enjoy grooming. But if you at least start off respecting their boundaries and paying attention to their signs of stress, then if they have a great experience from the get-go, they're going to have an easier time pretty much going anywhere. Exactly, yeah, yeah. for sure. There's also people that they're going to do this desensitization here and then they're going to go to the rumor afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that they're going to do the training here or they've had issues in the past and they do the desensitization and then go back to the groomer once again. Yeah. And we're just telling the groomer, here are the signs, be careful, do it like this, do it like that, and you should be good. Yeah, exactly. So that's one thing. So force free, um, how it all starts is that we're doing an evaluation, the first appointment where we're looking at the behavior. Just for puppies or for adults, it's the same thing. We do that little session where it's more like relaxed, where we let the dog sniff around, smell the odors, make sure that he feels safe in the environment. Once the dog pays attention to the groomer that's doing the training, starts giving treats, learning to hop on the table, then touching, consent touch, obviously, we go at the pace that the dog allows us to go to. Mm, so it doesn't even mean that you're going to get there the first session. The uh, dog might be terrified of the table and not even want to get on or near the table. Exactly. So those more fear- fearful type dogs, maybe we're not even getting to the touching part on the first t- the first appointment or even the table. Mm. What I usually do, I don't waste my time on the table. The first appointment is I'll just take a little carpet, put it on the floor and start the training right away. So, once the dog trusts me, second, third appointment, I'll try and hop the dog on the table. You get the carpet on the table. (laughs) Exactly. So, now it's easy. The dog's like, I've been training for a whole hour on this carpet. Now, I just have to hop on on table. And I get my treats. And I get my treats. So, then the dog's happy. And then the table, it was so easy to put in the table afterwards. Instead of spending maybe an hour trying to desensitize a table. And that's a positive reinforcement. So the dog enjoys the experience. And once he realizes that that's the cycle of how things go, he's more likely to trust you to let you do other things. Exactly. So we're building the trust at first. We're filling up a bank account with treats, with love, with everything that the dog loves to do. If it's games, if it's taking walks, breaks in between each uh, little sessions that we do. Uh, And then we come back inside and we continue the, the training. So one thing that I would love for you to take some time and explain, because you explain it so well, is what is force-free mean? What is the force-free approach to grooming? How is it different? Okay, so force-free grooming is two services in one. Okay. It's dog education, dog training, mixed with grooming. Okay. So the grooming process, once the training is done, grooming is pretty much the same thing. It's just that we're taking the part psychology-wise of the dog, understanding his limits, his boundaries, listening to any signs that he could give that he is not doing well, meaning stress levels. That could be one thing. Discomfort. Discomfort. And we're all going to think like, okay, well, yeah, certain dogs... Our main thing, obviously, for first grooming, if people are going to call, they're going to say, well, this is for dogs that are refused at other groomers Mm -hmm. or uh, uh, dogs that have behavior issues that they're really difficult at groomers that the groomers just say like hey i can't do this dog or that they need five people to hold them down exactly shouldn't need to do that (laughs) or that the dog is very you know either difficult or aggressive um but technically speaking that's obviously the main service because we're going to do desensitization 
uh, which is part of the, the grooming, which we're going to talk about after. But saying that force-free grooming, other people also, what we're going to talk about is that we should do this for every dog. Yeah. This should be a service offered for everybody. And even regular groomers should even imply a little bit of this technique or food for thought. Well, if you really think about it, building that trust with the dog who can't tell you I'm scared of this or I was hurt once here or, you know, my 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 nails are a little more sensitive because somebody pulled my paw once and I don't want that happening again. They can't tell us. So paying attention to those small signs that they're giving and building that trust and having that respect, they're more likely to let you get further when it comes to grooming. Exactly. But, Trust. But as you mentioned too, the training process is what comes first. So you can't expect to come in and have your dog groomed right away. That's like the last focus. The yeah. main focus yeah. is really getting the trust of the animal so that we can make progress. Yeah, with consent. The consent for grooming. And uh, it's really that before aesthetic. Mm. The aesthetic definitely is the. Um, the end goal. The end goal, for sure. Everybody's gonna say like, yeah, but I still want my dog groomed, I want my dog to look like this and look like that. Of course, but the first step is getting your dog to enjoy grooming and coming here and having a positive experience. Yeah. And <clears throat> for every dog, I'm not saying, maybe some dogs are gonna go to the regular groomer and everything's gonna go well. Very possible, of course. But that's taking a risk because yeah. most of them are not gonna enjoy grooming. But if you at least start off respecting their boundaries and paying attention to their signs of stress, then if they have a great experience from the get-go, they're gonna have an easier time pretty much going anywhere. Exactly, yeah, yeah. for sure. There's also people that they're gonna do the desensitization here and then they're gonna go to the groomer afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that they're gonna do the training here or they've had issues in the past and they do the desensitization and then go back to the groomer once again. Yeah. And we're just telling the groomer, here are the signs, be careful, do it like this, do it like that, and you should be good. Yeah, exactly. So that's one thing. So force free, um, how it all starts is that we're doing an evaluation, the first appointment where we're looking at the behavior. Just for puppies or for adults, it's the same thing. We do that little session where it's more like relaxed, where we let the dog sniff around, smell the odors, make sure that he feels safe in the environment. Once the dog pays attention to the groomer that's doing the training, starts giving treats, learning to hop on the table, then touching, consent touch, obviously, we go at the pace that the dog allows us to go to. Mm, so it doesn't even mean that you're going to get there the first session. The uh, dog might be terrified of the table and not even want to get on or near the table. Exactly. So those more fear fearful type dogs, maybe we're not even getting to the touching part on the first the first appointment or even the table. Mm. So what I, what I usually do, I don't waste my time on the table. The first appointment is I'll just take a little carpet, put it on the floor and start the training right away. So once the dog trusts me, second, third appointment, I'll try and hop the do dog on the table. You get now the carpet the on the table. <laughs> exactly. So now it's easy. The dog's like, I've been training for a whole hour on this carpet. Now I just have to hop on a table. After. And I get my treats. And I get my treats. So then the dog's happy. And then the table, it was so easy to put in the table afterwards. Instead of spending maybe an hour trying to desensitize a table. And that's a positive reinforcement. So the dog exactly. enjoys the experience. And exactly. once he realizes that that's the cycle of how things go, he's more likely to trust you to let you do other things. Exactly. So okay. we're building the trust at first. We're filling up a bank account with treats, with love, with everything that the dog loves to do. If it's yeah. games, if it's taking walks, breaks in between each uh, little sessions that we do, 
and then we come back inside and we continue this, the, the training. But the more the dog's gonna trust me or trust the groomer that's there, the higher chances are that we are gonna change behavior. Okay, so this is a... Uh, this is about Muso Spa and uh, our Dog Spa podcast, where we want to share with you guys all of this knowledge, all of our information that we know, and uh, to offer you the best wellness tips as possible for your for your pup. Now, what I think we should do is uh, we're ending the podcast soon. Um, obviously, our podcast is not necessarily about us, but it's about dogs, right? So, <laughs> can we talk about our doggies? We can talk about our doggies. Everyone could talk about their doggies. I'll start with Chef. So I've had Chef, uh, it's been seven years now. So Chef was raised by my cousin. Uh, she did an amazing job raising him with her family and her kids. And um, I took Chef in to my family at five years old. And uh, I didn't know much about dogs at all. I knew I loved them. I knew I loved animals in general, but I didn't know much about how to take care of a dog or what he had to eat or what he needed in general. Um, So I had him on kibble for the first few years, which he did pretty all right. But I noticed that as he got a little bit older, he started getting like filmy in his eyes and aches and pains. He is uh, 70 pounds. So I noticed his joints were a bit sore and um, Pretty much, actually, that's how we started talking a little bit more, was about Chef. Yeah, well, obviously, we're working here together every day, and uh, I have the sense of observation that I look at his behavior, I look at his body language and everything, and I just thought, like, hey, uh, you're going to start learning about nutrition and all about these things. What about raw? Mm -hmm. And what is the first thing that we think? What was your first thought? I don't know, it's gonna be expensive! (laughs) Just like a lot of people, but you know we're gonna talk about this on on another podcast, but it's really not that bad. Yeah, that's that's a whole episode for sure, because it's a common misconception. Especially now working here, seeing the, first of all, the price of everything going up. Yeah. Now if we compare different types of nutrition, different, you know, kibble, raw, freeze-dried, gently cooked, there's so many different options on the market. And not everything's going to work for everybody, but the fact that there are a lot of options gives us more choice. So that's definitely a whole other episode on its own. Oh, for sure. I can't wait to talk about that already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, we are we love this subject so much, like, we can't wait for next podcast. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Like, the first, I think it was the first week or two weeks after feeding Chef Ra, I noticed his energy levels went up. Yeah. He started getting more excited, wanted to do more stuff, just happier in general. And actually, the cloudiness in his eyes was gone. That was the first thing that I noticed. Yeah. And even to this day, he's 12 years old now. I don't really see that. It's yeah. not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I expected it to come back with age. Yeah. But, you know, we do we do everything we can for our dogs. But sometimes you start to realize that simpler is better. Starting Absolutely. from something simple, which is just the diet, mm. you don't always need all these extra things. Yeah. Sometimes you do, depending on your situation, depending on your animal, but... Starting from square one in the nutrition is the first thing to do. It's the basics. It's yeah. the basics, and with whole ingredients, for sure, is gonna where you, the dog's going to benefit the most of the nu- nutrients. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about that. But other than diet, chef, um, the first thing that you were worried about a lot that I noticed is that it was the tumors. 
yeah. You were talking a lot about tumors at some point. Oh and my then gosh, yeah. in my sense, okay, Myla's not with me anymore now. It's been about four months now that she passed away. But I was using the tincture of turkey tail from Adored Beast. And her tumor, her liver tumor disappeared with this product. So I like literally told her, I'm like, hey, this product is like amazing. Yeah, you should try it. That was pretty impressive. And you know, Adored Beast has a lot of studies done on their products and they have a lot of information on it as well. So hearing about the fact that turkey tail can either slow or stop tumor growth, first of all, was intriguing. Yeah. Then finding all the studies that have been done, that it's not just for dogs, it's for us too. Oh yeah, I take some now. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible. And since I've been giving Chef the tincture, I mean, he is an older dog. He's 12 years old. There are things that are popping up here and there, but I have to say they've definitely not grown. Yeah, at least it's stable. That's, yeah. that's kind of the thing, is that to slow down the aging process. And yeah. that's where the mushrooms... The adaptogens are there to help with antioxidants and stuff. Yeah, which is a whole other episode even there. Uh, is yeah. what, what's an adaptogen? What does that do? Like, yeah. what's the anti-aging effect? Why do we need that? Like, why is that helpful for our dogs? And when's the right time to use it? Yeah. And then the last thing, we're at the end right now. We're talking about the chef lately was more about back pain. Yeah. So there's a whole other thing where I, I was thinking the main focus towards this part of his life would be the tumors. I was told, no, well, that's pretty stable, it's pretty normal, given his breeds and given his age, it's possible. But he actually was adapting his posture because of pain. Mm. He wasn't letting me know he was in pain, he wouldn't whine about it, he wouldn't complain, he wasn't too stiff, he did a good job making it seem like he was fine. But noticing that he wasn't sitting down straight and his back legs were actually slipping out from underneath him, that was him adjusting his posture due to his pain. Yeah. So I was uh, prescribed uh, a Chinese herb, which I actually don't have the name of it right now, but we can come back with that for sure, um, from the vet at Truff and Compagnie. Yes. Uh, I have to say it took about a week and a half. Now that there's snow on the ground and Chef is very happy about it, he's been running back and forth. I can't even keep up with him. <laughs> yesterday, I took him out yesterday and we had just had how much snow? 15, 20 centimeters of snow a couple days ago? Yeah. Oh my god, I couldn't keep up with him. He was just running and coming back to me. And, and I said, oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> like, is your back okay? I guess he's fine. Well, so yeah. that was my first, like... Increased uh, activity. Yeah, very increased. And you know, you're, I'm trying to be careful. Like, watch out! And he's jumping off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's so it, funny. It was pretty But you see, like, yeah. even with natural products, it's crazy how it can even just improve... A senior dog. Yeah. Like, we were thinking, okay, it's over. It's the, le the end of his life. He's going to be less active. He's going to, you know, and dogs in general, they're just going to be... They, they, want, they don't want to show us that they're in pain. They're yeah. not, they don't want to show us that it's, that it's not going it's well. It's concerning. Yeah. It's concerning. Yeah. So their survival mode is, I don't want to show my... That I'm my, weak. That I'm weak. Yeah. So I'm just going to yeah. hide it. Yeah. You know, so that's a dog. In the wild, that's what sh would have happened. But, you know, senior dogs will be senior dogs. But there's things to, to help them out. Yeah, just to make them more comfortable, for sure. Yeah. For and sure. I don't think you mentioned it, but what's his... He's... Uh, um, what's his breed? He's half Malamute and half Bernese Mountain Dog. Yeah, and that's pretty much... You knew this, like, last week? Yeah, so I just thought he was a plain old husky. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. And then my cousin said, no, he's Malamute. And I said, well, this makes so much more sense. <laughs> I understand so much more. I mean, if you look at him, he he, he looks like a mud. He looks like he's got some shepherd in him. He, he, he could have... 
he could have so much more things. Oh, for sure. We, if we would do a DNA test, we're gonna have to see what what breeds are in there other than Malamute and uh, Burmese. For sure, for sure. But yeah, so Chef is a, he's a big boy. He's an old boy, and uh, we actually have a, a little one in uh, the Musla Spa family as of recently as well. <laughs> <laughs> little Afina. Little Afina. <laughs> so Afina is fifteen weeks now. Wow. It's passing way too fast, guys. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Every time I look at her, she keeps growing. I just saw, like, at lunchtime today, like, I give her a pig snout, and the pig snout was bigger than her at eight weeks. She, and she now, the thing looks small now. <laughs> so I can't imagine how fast she's growing. It's crazy. <laughs> we should have measured her. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But, I mean, she went from 10 pounds, and now she's 14 pounds? Yeah. So four pounds in, uh, in a month and a half. It's uh, it's crazy. They grow really fast when they're puppies. And uh, she was a... I got her a week, a week or two weeks before Christmas. So she's a Christmas dog to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had lost Myla in October. So it's pretty recent, but I just had to do the move. I just had to get another dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have Layla also. So Afina is a mini American Shepherd. Um, and so, well, she's already on raw obviously and i we're gonna talk about this on another podcast what what do i give her what do i do what's my protocols for puppies and stuff we'll do a puppy um a puppy episode for sure definitely and uh but everything is good so far with her also like recommendations of how we choose a breeder and all these things we'll talk about that more in details another time we've got a lot of things to cover geez yeah (laughs) i mean i could talk to you about this now and it's gonna literally take hours yeah we're never gonna stop talking yeah so but yeah that's Afina then I have Layla which is a standard poodle um, she's five years old now I've also got her from a reputable breeder uh, and her I mean I went from grooming I literally got a poodle poodle was never really a breed that I've ever wanted to do but since I've been doing grooming it was one of the breeds that I loved grooming mm. So that's why I picked a poodle. So much to practice with. <laughs> so much to practice with. And then my uh, contract with the breeder was, we have to bring her to shows. Yeah. Meaning that's a lot of grooming. Lot I was grooming. literally grooming her every week. Yeah. And then she was groomed by another groomer, one of my friends, for the shows, obviously, because I was not... I'm just a basic groomer that just does, like, uh, commercial grooming. Yeah. I don't do show cuts. Yeah. So that's one thing to realm. It's another realm and you need all that experience, you need that practice, uh, that specialty where you take courses on specific breeds. And I was learning next to her and I was able to do the maintenance in between appointments Mm -hmm. or between the dog shows, I would say. And I've learned a lot from that. So that was really fun. Were you training her as well during that time? So, so Mm. her main focus was pretty much grooming and I trained her for grooming. So she's amazing for that. Yeah. I've seen her sit down on the table and not move. Oh yeah. No, she's (laughs) She's really good with it. She's really good with that. Uh, And uh, with time, I just, once the contract was over regarding the dog shows and everything, I just, now I put her to the haircuts that I want. I try a few things here, there with her, but mainly now she's on a more shorter version of a poodle cut because if not, I mean, it's way too much maintenance. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's just so many things to do. I have Layla, I have My- uh, Afina, and uh, and then when Myla was around, I'm gonna talk to her, talk about her a little bit. The reason being is because of Myla that I pretty much started this whole thing. Yeah. 
you know, so she was 14, and so I was a teenager, I was 16 years old when I had her, and sh she was a Jack Russell. So Lots of energy. <laughs> that's like, you know, when you're 16 years old, everybody's telling you, you shouldn't get that as a first dog. I had a Chihuahua before her, mm -hmm. and I said, you know what, I'm ready now. I'm ready for a Jack Russell. Were you oh, ready? No. <laughs> Were you really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, as a person, I'm very, like, um, I don't know how I would say, like, I, I'll do anything. Yeah. I'll, if I Adaptable. have to do it, I'm, I'm going to adapt. Yeah. So if I have to do something, I will. So they require a lot of exercise. They have a lot of energy. So I was going on two walks a day, and then the two walks turned into going on a bicycle ride. Mm where she's running next to my bike because I just couldn't handle her anymore. She was <laughs> just... keep up with her? Oh my god, no. I was like, Shh. we go for a walk, she takes a nap, and then she's ready to go again. For sure. So I was like, man, she, d she can't just need exercise. I'm going to become an athlete. And that's typical of the breed. It's typical of the breed. They have high, high drive. They're really high drive dogs. And um, so that's where, I, when I went to the vet tech school, we had a behavior class, and that's how it started, mm -hmm. where I learned about behavior and enrichment we're gonna talk about enrichment during the podcast uh chewing yeah. where chewing is important to waste some of the dog's energy as well so she did a lot of chewing she had a lot of interactive games she had exercise which as you mentioned like that seems to be one of the most common questions that we get is my dog's destroying things my dog won't stop there's too much energy there's so many things that we could do to spend their energy and stimulate their brain and give them enough to expend their energy on. Absolutely, and we're talking now because it's a Jack Russell, but not only Jack Russells need all of this. Absolutely. Like, all of the dogs need this yeah. to be... We're talking about well-being. Yeah. They're, they're going to need a basic. Maybe some will need less than others, but it's good to talk about all of this just so that you have all these tools in your pocket and then you know what to do with your dog you get to know your dog better that way exactly too. exactly and then afterwards myla had a lot of skin issues she had allergies which that's what led you to the zoo cosmetology as well uh yeah absolutely for first was obviously the nutrition because from the vet i was using the hypoallergenic diet mm -hmm. it was not kibble. working yeah the kibble from the vet it was not working so then I was spending $180 per month or almost like a little, maybe two months for the bag. Yeah. It was so expensive and she was still itching and licking and doing all those things. So you're asking yourself, why is this not working? Why is it not working? <laughs> it's supposed to be a diet prescribed by the vet that's supposed to get rid of my dog's allergies and it's not. So she went from chicken. Oh, she, she's allergic to chicken. I go to duck. Now... I was trying other stuff and other foods. Oh, it's the grains. Okay, well, I go grain-free now. Oh, grain-free works temporarily. It reduces her itching for a f couple of months, and then her itching comes back again. So you're still not at the source of the problem. <clears throat> I was still not at the source, and now I was confused. As I'm like, okay, there's just no kibble out there in this market that's working. Now, a lot of people were talking to me about raw. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but as a vet tech, I'm nervous about this. The yeah. vets are all saying... No, this is very bad for your dogs. Yeah. So me, I'm like, he's really nervous. I'm like, should I really try it? Is it worth it? So then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go take a course. Mm. And I just want to make sure that if I am trying this for my dog, I'm doing it the right way. Yeah. And since that course, I have never turned back. Mm. I tried it for Myla inside of three weeks. My allergy issue with her was resolved. 
And from there, she was super healthy. I never had to go to the vet again. I saved so much money for sure. going on raw. Sure. And then after that, she had her health issues. She had her Cushing disease. Uh, I was going to see a Truffé Compagnie for acupuncture. Uh, that's what I was able to make her last as long as I could till the end. Yeah. I've done everything for this dog. She had a great quality of life because of all of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. All of the things that I was doing and trying to make her well, her well-being as much as possible till the end. And at the end, you know, when she was gone, I told myself, you know what? I did it all. And I made sure at the end that she was not going to suffer. Yeah, you know, sure. so... She's a, she has a big place in my heart, and I'm still going to talk about her uh, during the podcast. I talked to her with my clients here at Museum Spa. So you're going to still hear about her, don't you worry. <laughs> and, uh, and now the continuous stories about Layla and Afina for me, but uh, Myla was always going to be part of the conversation because sure. that's where it all started. For sure. Yeah, so now that's pretty much the end of our episode. Uh, thanks you, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. We have a lot of topics to cover. Uh, we also would love to hear from you if there's certain things that you want to know about, certain topics that you want us to cover. We could be doing this for years on end. So keep your questions coming. Uh, feel free to send us an email, comment on the podcast. Let us know what you're thinking. Share on social media that you listen to our episode. Share with your friends and family. Uh, we just want it to be out there so that as many people as possible could hear about everything wellness Absolutely. about dogs get that conversation rolling yeah and then for next episode we will be talking about dental health dental health the month of february all right well thanks for listening and uh, see you next time bye bye